Welcome to After the Bell with your host, Laura. If you like what you hear today, please rate and review kindly. This show is a series of conversations with educators and learners to try and deconstruct some of the stereotypes around education. If you'd like to know more about me, please visit my Instagram page at EducatingLaura. everyone and thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great episode with Taj and Lisa from Queensland and they have created software for teachers that allows assessment to be done in real time quickly and right then and there in the classroom. I don't want to talk too much about it because they are obviously here to speak about it but I would like to address something that we cover quickly without much context and that is flipping the classroom. So I heard about the idea of flipping the classroom at an edutech conference in about 2012, I'm going to say. And the concept is that you give kids the theory to learn at home in their own way, at their own discretion. So whether that is by writing notes or recording it or listening to videos or whatever they need to do to actually engage with the content. And that then frees up class time to have discussions, activities, experiment play games and do all of the kind of interactive things that you can't do when you're alone. And it makes so much sense to me because why would you sit and write notes in a classroom when you have all your peers to interact with, the teacher to ask questions, to get up and out of your seats? And so I'm really passionate about it. I think it's a fantastic way to teach. The challenge is getting the kids to actually do the work at home. That is something that I'm still finding to be quite a challenge. So that's what it means when we bring it up in the episode. So I'm going to hand it over to Taj and Lisa from Assessly. Hello, Lisa and Taj. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks. How are you? And Lisa? Yeah, great. Thanks. I'd like to start with a reflection on your time at secondary school and tertiary education. And if you could let me know what kind of learning you both were. Yeah, so um, I was very much uh, a hands-on learner, kinesthetic. I still am very kinesthetic learner. So I'd say I really, you know, I, I probably excelled in the hands-on subjects and things like that. But when it came to theory-based subjects, it sort of went straight through one ear and out the other mm-hmm. a little bit. And even through, you know, to university, even even today, I sit in a staff meeting and if someone's just talking at me, I, I don't really get much out of that. So um, yeah, very hands-on learner. I like to do things you know, physically and, and work things out that way. So that was me. And how do you combat that? considering you've obviously gone through the general education system as well as the tertiary education system? Well, I just have to kind of find other ways to learn through other outlets, I guess. So in my own time, I've always been interested in, you know, sort of building and, you know, last couple of years we renovated a caravan and and all that sort of stuff, which is a little bit mad because I don't really know anything about it. Mm. But because I have this this hunger to kind of learn hands-on and and trial by error and those sorts of things, I've probably found an outlet in other things to to kind of counterbalance that a little bit now. Yeah. So if you're in a staff meeting and someone's talking at you, how do you try and engage in that? Because, I look, I've I've been to plenty of meetings where you can see people looking out the window. I'm just interested as to how you engage yourself if it is just listening. Yeah, look, I I try and think about how the, the topic relates to me. Mm-hmm. So I try and take something from it rather than just listening to it. But look, it's really challenging if it's if it's nothing to do with me. Um, I'm, if I'm being honest, I, I probably tune out a lot of the time. Yeah. Or I find myself actually, 
including myself into the conversation or in, into the discussion. So I'm an active part of it rather than just being a passive listener. So, but I'm not great at it. Yeah. My wife will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lisa? Well, I also think I'm a bit, a bit more of a hands-on learner. So definitely enjoyed the practical subjects at school. I also probably really enjoyed the social aspect of secondary school. I even still catch up with some of my friends from school now. I even, like just last weekend, we went out for um, a girls' dinner, which was nice. Yeah. Well, I'm very so, jealous of Victoria because we're still very, very lucky. Um, so. yeah. We keep forgetting it's so bad. <laughs> no, no, yeah, we, but well, it's nice to hear that people are still living some semblance of a life elsewhere. Yeah, well, yeah. We're, we're, we're doing it for you. On behalf of you guys and Vic, you know, we get out to the <laughs> things, so have a coffee and, you know. <laughs> Good on you. I'm jealous. Yeah. Yep. So what were the practical subjects then that you really liked, Lisa? I would say probably drama, I quite. I'm not. I don't excel at sports, but I yeah. definitely enjoyed sports, cooking. I guess like home ec stuff. Yeah. I only ask because I think that the kinesthetic learners are the ones that I found as a high school teacher quite challenged to engage, especially as an English teacher. You know, if you're a yeah. PE teacher, you're doing woodwork, all of that kind of stuff. That's a natural way of developing curriculum. But that's why I'm interested. You know, as a as kinesthetic learners how you engage to content that is challenging to engage with as a kinesthetic learner. Mm. By the age of 21, what were your goals that you had in life and where did you feel the influences came from for those goals? I don't know. At 21, I I don't really know what kind of goals I had, to be honest. Yeah. I think I was just young and just enjoying life where I was at. Yeah, so I can't really expand on too many goals there for you sorry no that's and I think what's nice about that is that whatever was going on wasn't so serious that it really impacted your life it was just a a passing phase and you sort of even if you weren't sure where you were going you ended up somewhere and it didn't sort of cripple any of the decision making later which is what I kind of want students to understand especially those ones towards the end of year 12 feel like there's so many decisions to make and it's okay if you haven't made them yet yeah, well, that's yeah, that's true. Like I haven't been to uni, so mm. like I think Taj was at that age was probably at university, but I was just working and I don't know what I was up to really. Yeah. <laughs> just still probably figuring out what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. That's perfectly fine at twenty one, isn't it? I just sometimes I feel like there's mm-hmm. just so much pressure mm. at these ages to know what you want to do and I don't think it's fair sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. What about you, Taj? I don't recall any specific goals I had at 21. I was, at least as right, I was in probably my second or third year of studying education. And outside of that, I guess I knew I just didn't want to do anything that was boring. You know, I, I wanted to do exciting things in life and be active and see things and do things. And like I mentioned before, pull things apart, break things and renovating a car at the age of 19 and, you know, all this sort of crazy stuff. So my, I guess if I kind of break it all down, my my goal was really just to solve problems and find out about stuff and things in the world. So I didn't know what problems I was going to solve or how I was going to do that, but I was eager to do things, like lots of different things, and I, I'm still like that. I can't sit still. <laughs> what would have been something that you didn't want to do because it was boring for you? Oh, that's a big list of things because I get bored pretty, <laughs> okay. I get bored pretty quick. Um, but I just, like even being at uni, you know, sitting in lectures and sitting in tutorials, I was like, this is boring me. Let me... I don't know what I'm doing, but let me get out there and to a classroom and teach and I'll, I'll learn, like I'll yeah. learn really quick that way. And I didn't want to have a job that just 
made me sit around and not take any action, you know. Yeah. I'm wondering, other than the teaching rounds, did you get much enjoyment out of university in education? Not really. I took a couple of years off before I went to uni, between year 12 and uni, and I found a lot of the people at uni were 17 and a half, 18, coming out of uni, and and they wanted yeah. to just do the uni thing, and I just I wanted to get out there and, and do something with my life, you know. So I didn't really engage socially at uni. I just I wanted to earn some money because, you mm-hmm. know, uni students never have money, so that was kind of on my radar. And Yep. And I, yeah, I wanted to just get out there and teach. I knew I wanted to do teaching, but I didn't know that I would like it. And I would, wouldn't have known I liked it until I actually did it. So it felt yeah. like this kind of, this lull of like, okay, well, let me try. Yeah. Yeah. You let's know. get out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, in most teachers, I think I just eager to take on a classroom and yeah, way too much work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. And your secondary or primary? I'm currently teaching you seven and eight digital technologies as a specialist. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm prim- primary trained, so I did my first seven or eight years of teaching year one and year six. Okay. So a bit of a bit of a mix. So why did you decide to become a teacher? I probably had a couple of key influences. One was a um, a really cool teacher I had in year eleven and twelve, Phil Mantelli, mm. and he was probably the first teacher to ever kind of treat me like a normal person rather than just a student. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To clarify, like I. You know, rather being talked at, you know, I was able to converse with him. And so that kind of went, well, maybe there are some good teachers and maybe I could be one of those teachers for someone else. Yeah. But that realisation didn't come until I actually started at uni. But Mm. prior to that, my sister's a teacher. She was a teacher a few years before me. And I could just see she loved what she was doing. She was so passionate about it. We have very similar personalities. And I visited a classroom a few times and I just went, this looks like fun. This looks like a big challenge. And she's impacting people around her in some way. And I went, well, that's a good thing. So I'll give it a crack, you know. Yep. But it wasn't like a, oh, when I was three, I was sitting down teaching everyone in my kindy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in going back to school, really, mm. but now I love it. Now, when you're going through education in, in Victoria, at least, there's a lot of encouragement to doing masters even before finishing. So, you know, right. you'll do your undergrad and then they'll encourage you more to do a master's degree. And so it's just all this time at university without much time in the mm. classroom. And I just wonder the relevance or the benefit of that, being highly qualified yeah. but not actually knowing if you like it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure how they do things down in Vic, but I know mm. up in Queensland you really don't hit a decent amount of prac teaching until your third year. Yeah, okay. I mean, if you put your hand up and do some extra stuff in your second year, you, you can. But a lot of a lot of our cohort, probably 40, 50% of our cohort going through uni dropped out in the third year. Yeah. Because they went, oh, actually, I don't like kids, you know. Yeah. Or I don't want to plan. Or, I don't want to stand in front of kids and talk and teach. And they, they dropped out, you know. Yeah. So imagine doing seven years of uni after having done a, a, an undergrad, then a you know, postgrad and then a master's. Yes. And then going, oh, this is not for me. <laughs> exactly. No, and, and I've seen that a few yeah. times. I've mentored a few teachers that were just petrified of teaching, happy to sit and observe, and were really actually mm. quite insightful when giving feedback to me as a teacher, but yep. didn't want to do it themselves. And so I just thought perhaps it wasn't the role for them to actually be in the classroom. Yeah. And if you found them, like maybe if they had started in their third or fourth year, they were probably good teachers, but then they spent so long looking at the theories behind it that it kind of ruined them. I'm probably a bit like you in that I find it very difficult to engage with content unless I am personally involved. And I sort of mm. went through school. I was pretty compliant, but I went through school just doing what everyone told me to do without much interest. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had my own classroom it was, and it was directly relevant to if I do this much work, then this person will succeed. Or if I do it this way, this kid will learn better. Sure. That's the only time that it really felt exciting to me to learn. Yeah, right. 
I, I couldn't have stayed at university any longer learning how to teach. I had to do it. <laughs> I had enough of that, you know. Yeah, Some people yeah. love that. I took on a teacher aiding job in my fourth year just so I could be yeah. in schools more to actually test this theory of can I be a teacher. What did you do then? Well, I, I was working with, mm. with a diagnosed student, so a support for him in the classroom, just sitting beside him, taking groups of kids or anything like that. So it was a, a teacher yeah. aiding kind of role with one student. But it, it allowed me to get in the class, listen to what was going on and be more in, more in that kind of industry and just really confirm for me that, yeah, actually this is this is something I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm passionate yeah. about, you know. Taj, what were some of the memorable yeah. things that you learnt while studying primary education at uni? Oh, I think one of the most memorable things or the most impactful things for me was really understanding good classroom management mm-hmm. and behaviour management, realising that you, you think that you know it all and then you get into a classroom and the kids are a bit out of control. But really learning, and I had a really good teacher in my third year, he just focused on that with me. He said, you can't do anything else in your teaching. You're not going to be impactful or successful as a teacher if the students don't respect you um, and they don't enjoy your company. You can't motivate them and inspire them and, and, and in a way, I guess, organise them. So that's probably the biggest takeaway I took from uni, four years of uni, and I learned that in four weeks. <laughs> and what were some <laughs> of the practical elements of that that you could perhaps share? Oh, just things like um, using using your, your own proximity as mm. a teacher. Like a lot of teachers I still see, they've been teaching for 10 years and their voice is the only thing that mm. they use to get on yeah. top of the class. And I just, I just learned really early on, I'm so grateful that you can, you can teach the students routines where you can stand at the front of the room with your hand up and that means let's mm. be quiet. You can go to a certain spot in the room and that means it's time to pack up. And I just thought that this guy was yeah. like God. I just went, he's not even talking to the kids. He's, he's standing there or he's placing something on the board and they're just responding. And I just went, yes. how good's that, you know? And how do you think that was set up? Is that because they respected him through his presence, the fact that he actually explicitly taught them that when I'm standing here, this is what this means? Or how did that kind of eventuate? He definitely taught them that. Like he explained to me that, you know, it took a good a good chunk of mm. term one, his new class, this was a grade four class, to cement down those expectations and those routines. He said, but if you spend that time early on, it makes the rest of your experience with them mm. so much better. And his personality too was he was a he was such mm. a cruisy guy and I it was kind of like path of least yeah. resistance. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to work hard and he didn't have to work hard at those things. So he was he was quite smart in the way he worked and definitely took took a, a leaf out of his book for sure and I still yeah. do today. You know. Do you think that's because you aligned so much with him in terms of his personality that that worked for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I even wanted to at the time go back and teach with him okay. when I left school, <laughs> when I left university, yeah. sorry. But another job came yeah. up and a, a really good quality teacher but definitely aligned with my values and the way that I sort of would like to run things and I do run things today in my classroom. Yeah, and I think that's really important to understand that you don't have to do it the way somebody tells you if it's not who you are. Mm. Doing like um, those theory-based subjects at uni, I learned the mm. opposite. In, in the theory, I learned the opposite or not the necessarily opposite, but I, I never would have gained that experience if I didn't have that teacher at that time, you know, and that's a worry that we go through four years of uni and we still, we still struggle with behaviour management, you know. I completely agree. And what I think, it took me about five years to realise that I didn't have to do it the way everybody else did because I'm not a big yeller. I don't like to have strict rules in my classroom. That's just not who I am. And Mm. so by about my fifth year, I realized that actually if I was more authentic with my own personality, then they would respond better to me rather than me trying to pretend I was something else. 
And I think that there's so many ways to discipline yeah. a classroom yeah. or to get to create boundaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, I've learned that it's actually less about creating boundaries or, or limitations and it's more about giving them the, you know, accountability yeah. to your students Absolutely. as well. If they're accountable to what they're doing, because they're a part of how this all works and they're an integral part of the success or the, I guess failure of, of the classroom learning, well, that's on them as mm. much as it's on me, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. Mm. Did you have a teacher that made a big impression on you? Yeah, probably my, my um, year 12 film and television teacher, Mr. Blythe, and I still remain mm. kind of good friends with him, which is really cool. But look, I thought I was an adult <laughs> and I wasn't. I was 16, yeah. 17, but he sort of started to treat me like an adult mm. a little bit and that was really refreshing because I'd just been spoken yeah. at for every other you know year of high school and, and this guy came along and went, okay, well, you know, I, I sort of believe in what you can do and what you're capable of and he believed in more me more than I actually believed in myself for probably for many years yeah. to come. But I still, I still look back and I go, once again, similar to that, that year four teacher who was very good at behavior management, I probably just aligned myself in terms of personality with, with that teacher as well. And yeah, it was a really good experience for me. I was ready to leave school in year 10. Yeah. I'd sort of had enough and, and like you were describing before with particularly with subjects like English. No offense to you, Laura. I'm sure you're a fantastic <laughs> English teacher, but no, I had a rubbish English teacher. But it's also challenging. I found too, because kids have to do it no matter what. Yeah. Right. Well, she was not engaging at all and, and so it sort of turned me off of reading and writing beyond that mm. <laughs> as a teacher. But, yeah, so that was really important for me to have him and, and that made me sort of, you know, push through senior and um, ultimately go on and do teaching and things as well. So indirectly, definitely an influence and, and a reason why I got into teaching. Lisa, do you have any teachers that you remember from your time that stand out? Not particularly, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I grew up in New Zealand and we moved around a lot. So I think I went to like seven different primary schools. So I, I do sort of wonder sometimes if because we moved around so much, whether I, you know, I obviously didn't connect with a lot of the, the teachers or didn't build a community within those schools. We also, I did actually have like the primary and then intermediate and then your high school. So when I was in intermediate I did actually um, build some really great friendships at that time in my schooling and that but that was the problem was is that was just before we um, moved over to Australia and then when we moved to Australia I was like year seven it was sort of the end of the year so which is a tough time to kind of move but I yeah. I got picked on at school for my Kiwi accent at the time I, I don't sound like a Kiwi anymore but um, I <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I got picked on and bullied a bit and to the point that my, my parents pulled me out of that school. So I didn't get to do the end of year graduation, you know, your year seven graduation and any of that stuff. So that was, you know, we sent home a video to our family back in New Zealand. And I mean, I was 13 at the time, I think, or 12 even. And they've got me sitting in this video and we were just, you know, talking to our family and I was sitting there and I was going, yeah, so school, yeah, I've got no friends. That's like yeah. obviously at the time it was a big thing for me, you know, like I was getting picked on and, yeah, so that was um, yeah. that was not a very fun time. But, um, I, yeah, so we pulled, pulled me out and then we started a new high school and I, can, I went through from year eight right up to year 12 at that high school and that's the school that I still have some great friendships with now. So, but I struggled in, yeah. in probably a little bit in high school academically and, I again, I, I wonder if that was connected to just um, maybe not necessarily moving around. Oh, I don't know, 
don't know, just the disjointed sort of education in my lower years. So whether that's, yeah, all related or not. <laughs> but also it would make sense that the priority would be friendships for you. If you felt like you didn't have them, it would be more important in the school system to create that that community than it would be to learn perhaps at that time. Yeah, probably, yeah, definitely, and just be feeling accepted as well. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Although the type of person that I am, I, I'm definitely like a, you know, wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. I don't know. I, just, I really just want to, I love connection with yeah. people and I love, you know. So, yeah, probably because I didn't get that, it probably, yeah, definitely had an effect on the, yeah, just going, my whole schooling. Yeah. 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 My kids are going to go to school, so, you know, soon. Yeah. So what would you like your teachers to be like for them? I, I guess I just want some, like, teachers that are just really going to come alongside them mm. and just help them in whatever aspect that they need, I suppose, and not just, like, academically, but... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a teacher, so, you know, I sort of, I guess I have a different perspective, but yeah, like as a mom, like mm. just knowing that my kids, uh, their emotional side is, you know, their needs are being met, those sorts of things. Yeah. And I guess just knowing that they are being accepted and those kinds of things, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting to me that the first thing you said have not been about academics at all. That's what I find interesting. Yeah, I guess not. No, yeah, and I guess I guess they're going to create friendships at school as well, and I guess there's lots of learning around that as well, like how to navigate those relationships with their peers, and yeah, there's lots of yeah, 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 absolutely. Learning for them there. <laughs> for, for teachers, you know, there's, it's a big yeah. job, really, isn't it? Like, you know, not just academically, but then, oh, like, I've got all these expectations yeah. as well, you know. Uh, and as, as you parent, should and it's a, it's a lot but yeah I guess I just want them to feel loved and cared for and yeah. supported and it is I think that's but the yeah. thing that teachers need to really be aware of is that's somebody's child that you've got in your classroom in front of you with 25 others well that child is so significant to some people in this world and you have to treat them like that you have to treat them you know with that sort of care that yeah. the family would want them to have as they send them off into your classroom yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Uh-huh. Taj, how long have you been teaching for now? Uh, 11 years, five years of year one and then okay. I did a couple of years of year six. Then I changed schools and, and okay. now, yeah, I'm teaching year seven and eight for the last couple of years as well. And I'm also currently in a, an e-learning specialist role at my, my school, so supporting teachers with technology and, and pedagogy in the classroom. So that's a really cool, yeah. cool role as well, yeah. That is cool. Mm. Um, and we had e-learning specialists as well, and it was amazing. I think it's really important now, especially for teachers to be supported that way. Yep. Well, what's the most important thing you see your role to be in that field? Well, I actually think um, it's really about equipping teachers to sort of harness the technology to enhance what they do. So it's not about necessarily yeah. saving time or making things easy so you can get out the door quicker, but actually going, you know what, you need to lean on technology because it's there and it can actually make a big difference to what you're trying to achieve in your classroom. Convincing them of yeah. that is probably the hardest part. Once they get past that, okay. the questions come flying and then, yeah, I can show you some cool stuff, but you've actually got to believe in, you know, in, in that approach. So, Where do you think most of the resistance comes from in the takeoff of technology in a classroom? Probably bad experiences in the past. They might have had one or two bad experiences with technology mm. and, and not revisited it. You can't blame yeah. them. Like they've only got so much time to try something new and if it doesn't fall over, if it falls over, then 
they move on to the next thing they need to do, you know? Absolutely. So it's probably time time to properly use it and to properly understand how it can be used effectively in the class, I'd say, would be the biggest thing. The actual access to technology, mm. um, those sorts of things, is, you know, it's, it's kind of a non, non-issue, you know, every school has some pretty good technology now. So time to use it. I think is the biggest factor. Yeah, and time, I suppose, to train with it or to feel as though you've got enough time hands on it and and trial it. Yeah, yep, absolutely, yep. Yeah. So you've been obviously at primary school for so long, now moving into a secondary setting. How's that been? How's that shift been for you? Yeah, it's been really interesting. I enjoy the secondary students and I enjoy the fact that I've got a focused subject now in digital technologies rather than just being Mm. a generalist. Yep. That's a really cool thing to just keep your head into that in that one space and and try to do that well. But I miss the community of of a, of a primary classroom. I miss mm. that we're kind of like a little family and we grow together throughout the year. And my my year sevens and my eights pop in for for three periods a week or two periods a week, and and then I don't see them again for another four or five days. You know, yeah. so that's foreign yeah. to me still, and and not necessarily my preferred preferred way of teaching. But it's still lots yeah. of learning for me happening. So um, that's important. What are you really passionate about as a teacher and what do you want your students to have by the time they've finished their year with you? Well, I'm big on respect. I think that if, if students leave me with a sense of respect for, for themselves, for their peers, for others, for the school they're in, for the opportunities they have, just an open-minded sort of optimism to what they can can achieve, then I feel like I've been successful. For me, that comes before curriculum. I think it's their love of learning and respect for the opportunities that they have and are going to have, you know, living in Australia, it doesn't get much better, you know, really. It doesn't, yeah. for, for a student growing up in Australia, the opportunities are so amazing and endless. Just getting them to go, oh, yeah, actually, you know what, this is really great and I can do some cool stuff. So that's probably my biggest thing, yeah, I would say, yeah. yeah. How do you feel that we make learning relevant for our students? So that's, a, that's a big question, that one. Because there's so much to that. I guess to narrow it down, I would have to say that giving them opportunity to develop their, their soft skills and their social skills is probably the best way to make learning relevant because then it becomes less about the mm-hmm. actual topic or the content or what they're doing in whatever subject and more about the actual skills that they have or can display throughout that or the skills they realise they need to kind of refine a little bit more. So I, yeah. think, that's a, I think that's the biggest thing. To, to making learning relevant is for them to see, well, yeah, you might not ever do fractions when you're 25, but the persistence you're showing through this or the, the teamwork or the collaboration or the research skills that you're showing is going to be used forever. Yeah, that's cool. I find it interesting too, actually, especially now you've done the primary and the secondary. What I found as a secondary teacher was that often skills learned in one subject, they didn't see relevant or they couldn't transfer them to another subject because everything seemed so mm. isolated. I think in primary school, you probably have a lot more opportunity to intertwine skills and create interdisciplinary projects. Have you found that or have you found any kind of or have you got any advice for teachers on how to encourage more transferable skills? I would definitely agree with you. As a primary teacher, when you have them for all those subjects and for a lot of the time, you can focus across all subjects on the skills that you're trying to develop. Really yeah. hard with that that kind of segmented timetabling and stuff that you see in secondary. But I would just yeah. I would just say to teachers, where you can in, in the time you have with them, develop the skills that you know are important because it's probably a good chance that mm. um, most of the other teachers in the other subjects are also focusing on those skills in some way. So, yes, it's, it's yeah. great to collaborate and have a plan and all go, let's all teach persistence or, you know, whatever it might be. 
but that time yeah. never happens, you know. But I feel like everyone's sort of on the same page anyway. We have to trust in that and, and do what we can do, I think. Yeah. Or if you don't like it, go and teach in primary because it's, it's heaps easier. <laughs> well, that's what I think. I think sometimes, like I love, I've always wanted to be a secondary teacher. I love secondary, yeah. but I do think that there are some limitations certainly in the fact that, you know, I, I taught 125 kids a year. Yeah. every year and so you can't get that community feel you can't get that level of connection and I don't know what's going on for the rest of the day so you know if someone's had a bad morning by period five I don't know what's happened yeah. because I haven't been with them all day so I think that that's the beauty of primary school to be honest yeah absolutely and, and I think to add to the secondary mix and I mean the new senior program that's sort of come out teachers are so content focused because they've got so much to get through um, yeah. and you know even starting year senior stuff in at the end of year 10 now mm. so there's actually no mm-hmm. real scope to go let's stop and focus and reflect on how yeah. we're going and what we need to develop no it's just go 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 you know yeah yeah it's quite it's quite sad but i don't know enough about the senior to to kind of comment and say oh you should do this you should do that but i know that <laughs> i know that it needs to change i just don't know i don't know how maybe when yeah. you talk talk to me in a few years and maybe i'll be a year 11 teacher and i've gone from one to 11 <laughs> Yeah, amazing. You let me know. When you, when you have the answer, Taj, you let me know. We'll, we'll schedule a podcast. All right. I'd love let's, that. let's do it. Okay. Well, I, better, <laughs> I better talk to Lisa about job change. <laughs> She's going to love it. What advice would you give to someone considering becoming a teacher or somebody studying teaching at university? Yeah, I, I would say do it. Actually, I was following a, a chat thread on Facebook not long ago for, um, from mm-hmm. a US teacher that asked the exact same question. They were a, cool. a third-year teacher about to go in and they said, any advice for an up-and-coming teacher? And like 190 people responded and all said, don't do it. It is the worst thing you can do with your life. And I just, oh, and I really? just kind of went, man, how bad, is, how bad is it in the US that that many teachers are all going, stay away, yeah. like go and work in a grocery store. Some of them said you'd be better off being a cleaner in a, like an, in a department <gasps> store than teaching. Wow. And I just went, well, man, that's so sad. Mm. That's, you know. So my advice would be the opposite of that. I think there's so much reward in it. I think if you're willing mm. to learn lots, you're willing to adapt and challenge yourself, you're willing to never, ever finish your job, then I think teaching's, yeah. teaching's great. But the connection you have with yeah. people and, and the students and those moments where the kids, you know, you make a difference to them, it's, that's just one of those moments can drive you for the whole year. So you are about to launch your new project, Assessly. Can you tell me the why behind creating this business and assessment resource for teachers? Yeah, when I was teaching year one, which was probably in about my second and third year of teaching, of out teaching, I just struggled. I struggled so much with keeping on top of assessment. A six-year-old cannot write an essay. They cannot complete an assignment. They they can't even complete a, a math test or anything like that, really. So you actually never really get, you, you know, using traditional summative type assessment that you you learn at uni and hear everyone else doing it just doesn't work for lower primary it just doesn't and so I tried like spreadsheets and I tried everything as a way of collecting evidence of their learning um, so I could differentiate or at least kind of know what they know or don't know and then I'd, mm-hmm. I'd sort of refine things for a few years and then I moved to year six which was a little bit easier assessment wise because they're older and then I moved to my current role and I've been here for two and a half years now. But in my current role, I've actually seen the same thing still happening with lower primary and even in upper primary teachers. They still don't have effective assessment strategies. They still struggle to get it all together. Yeah, They miss things or they're spending way too much time with ineffective kind of assessment processes. So I just went, you know what, I can't find anything out there that does what we need it to do. So we're going we're gonna to build something. How does it all work? 
Assessly is a real-time formative assessment software tool for teachers and schools. So teachers can actually capture video, photo, audio evidence of learning on the go and it directly Mm. aligns with the Australian curriculum and integrates with state-based curriculums and national learning progressions. Do you want to go into a bit more detail, babe? Yeah, yeah. So it just means that way, you know, teachers have all the evidence of learning in that one, kind of in one place. And because it's directly mapped to the curriculum, they're not guessing what they have to cover or what they need to cover. They know that they're assessing what they're covering or vice versa. And we also love the fact that, you know, teachers can see the easily see the growth of students and celebrate that growth and that success. But on the flip side, can also quickly and easily see, oh, they're you know, 45% of my class don't even understand this concept. So before I move on or before I assume they know it because the teacher did it last year, I actually need to stop and I need to understand, you know, know that they understand what we're doing. I mean, summative assessment for me, I think is, is overused big time. And Assessly is really there to help teachers to assess effectively, you know, throughout their learning experiences. In terms of what that information can then be used for, is that then used or is that accessible for parents for essentially a report or is it purely in-school kind of information? Yeah, at this stage, we've, I think one of the strengths of Assessly is that it is, it is just for teachers and schools. Okay. Obviously, there's reports that can be generated and definitely helps with really good conversations with parents to talk about academic yeah. data and growth and things like that as well. But I kind of come from the view of as soon as you make something like publicly viewable to the parents, it really it changes the changes the way a teacher uses a product. Yep. Instead of being real and honest and going, you know what, my kids don't know it, but that's okay, I'm going to teach it. They're very, very weary of, of letting a parent know that because, hey, I'm failing as a yeah. teacher, aren't I? So Assessly really for now and, and for the near future is going to be an in-house thing for, for teachers and schools to look at data across and, and plan accordingly with whether that's, hey, a, a lot of our maths, a lot of our students in lower primary are struggling with maths. Maybe there's some professional development that needs to happen there or trends in, yeah. you know, how students are going across the board as well. So I think we'll get probably pushed eventually to go, oh, it'd be great if my parents could see this, but do you really want them to? <laughs> or do you want to kind of be able to have that have that data do what you can with that data as a professional and know that that's there to support you and help you and your students rather than be a, another thing you have to complete for parents yeah my view is I'd love reporting to be continuous anyway yep. I think to me that's the way that it'd be lovely I used to do that in terms of planning my reports I'd constantly be writing comments all the time based on the assessment that I did and then at the end my comments were already pretty much written but I'm interested in this kind of thing in terms of how you're collecting the data so you were saying you could do voice recordings you could do videos or how else can you collect the data and then how do you use that data to create a clear indication I suppose of the things that need to be developed worked on strategized all of that so Assessly, rather than being like an app, it's actually a like it's a software, so it can be used on, on any device, which means even in senior, even in like 10, 11, 12, yeah. if, you have a, if you have a work sample, like a, a, an essay that they've written, you can also attach that in against them yep. and against that standard. So it's not just a record little kids playing with Play-Doh and things, you know, it can be used right up as well. Okay. But when you collect the evidence, whether that's a photo or an attachment or, or an audio recording of the learning that's taking place, you record that evidence directly against the achievement standard and you give it mm. effectively give it a grade, you know, at above below grade level. Yep. So when you review that data, it tells you for this point in time, here's the attached evidence that happened and this is what you gave them. And you can do that every day of the week if you wanted to and then get that those insights into 
the first two times we did it, they were below, now they're at level, and now they're well above level. Yeah. So reviewing that data is a really simple process, and we we sort of stuck with the traffic light system, so quickly okay. and easily to see, hey, there's lots of green on my page. We're doing well in maths. There's lots of orange or red. There's some big needs areas there. We're going to revisit that. Uh, all these yeah. students are on red, yeah. meaning they're my, they're my group I'm going to take out and we're going to do some more focus work on number lines. But those others know it, they get it, we're moving on. Yeah. Like I'm not going to waste everyone's time. I like that. Have you used this in a practical way yet? I, I haven't used our software in, the, in a practically yet because it's still going to be launched. I think it's going to be ready in about early, mid-October. So physically getting my hands on my, my product or our product is still yet yep. to happen. But I very much sort of had a roundabout way of doing this when I taught you yep. one, using spreadsheets and all sorts of complex things. So the concept itself really excites me enough to to go and start a company and build a yeah. product. And we're, we're really hoping that it could just change the way teachers view assessment, put a bit more of the power back into their hands and give them a bit more time back so they can teach a bit more rather than just assess Absolutely. all the time. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? yeah. So we, we also, like, when we were doing the, I guess, the prototype for Assessly, we were in contact with, like, quite a few different teachers in regards to showing them what it does and how it works. And we got a lot of their feedback on different things as well so you know we we, we've not just done what we think teachers want or need we've also talked to teachers to get their feedback and what they think and what what we could include or change or add so we've definitely worked hard to try and make it have everything that teachers could need to assess their on the go and data and yeah I'm assuming I mean obviously here at the 12th hour in terms of assessly you're about to launch it in october i'm assuming this is quite the process you know so can you tell me what all of this looked like for you to develop this oh well it's been a long journey actually we probably started this time last year okay and actually started by registering the company and then jotting down some ideas and then we had to sort of find a, a web developer and go through prototyping and then, and then yeah, as Lisa mentioned, quite a few rounds of focus groups showing teachers a prototype and then getting feedback and developing the prototype. Yeah. And then when we when we were happy with the prototype, which was probably back in May, we gave the, the sort of the tick of approval and we got the, the our software developer to start coding and building the thing, uh, which is yeah, a couple of weeks from being finished. Yeah. But in amongst that, you know, to how to run a, run a company and social media marketing, you know, like Lisa and I, you know, we... <laughs> Lisa works for Queensland Health. I'm a teacher, so we're not, you know, we're not rolling in cash. Yeah. So we had we've had to do a lot of stuff ourselves and learn yeah. a lot of stuff ourselves, and that's been hard work. Yeah. You know, with two kids and trying to find some time together to have a conversation, <laughs> you know, and a, and a cup of tea is is been problematic. Well, what's but, that like? What's that like? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. But I think it's actually been really, really rewarding for us because we really understand our company. Yeah. And we really understand our product and people that we're trying to reach and help out with our product. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have changed it any other way. I wouldn't have outsourced anything, even though every now and then I just I say, can someone else do this? <laughs> yeah. But we actually don't really mean that, I think. Yeah, I think we're starting to really get passionate about running a company and not just about what a Cecily can do, but essentially as the software can do yeah. but what essentially as the as a brand and as a company can do i think the sky's the limit you know and lisa's been amazing she's just learned social media over the last you know five months and um yeah and I'm you're doing amazing following. may i say you are doing amazing i saw your reels the other day <laughs> oh my god i can't even Thank get you. my head around that good on you oh. 
yeah, I've been on social media for like a long time, but I've never been on it in the sense yeah. of like, you know, the brand and a business. So I'm just trying to give it a go with the new Instagram reels and put it out there and uh, see how it happens. But yeah, no, it's fun. I enjoy it actually. I, I quite enjoy it, but it is yeah. very time yeah. consuming. I <laughs> never realized how much goes and how much is involved in it and lots of thinking and then you've got to yeah. create and content and but yeah. it's great i think one of the um one of the challenges we've had recently is actually trying to sell an idea yeah because we don't have like a physical product people can yeah. get their hands on and trial yeah it's like yeah this is coming you know this is what it'll do and i'm sure people are like oh that all sounds great in theory so you know when launch day comes and people can get the thing in their classroom that's that's going to be really quite surreal for us and yeah um, we we, we yeah. hope it does well oh absolutely know, hope it helps people it's very exciting for us, you know, like because we've put so much time and effort and, and money <laughs> into it, you know. So it's very exciting. It's a bit nerve wracking as well, you know. But I think when we when we do launch and we start seeing some, you know, get it in teachers' hands and see them using it and it making a difference, I think it'll be just, yeah, it'll be a great feeling. <laughs> I'm I'm really interested in all of this. So my husband has his own business and he always talks about the importance of a family type business because when people call or when people reach out, they're getting you. They're getting the people that actually built the software that care about the software that are in the classroom. And I think that there's something really important about that. And I don't think you can ever undersell how significant that is, Mm. that when people reach out to Assessly, they're getting you as a teacher and a mother and a father and a family that have worked Mm. together to create something to support educators and education. I think that's an incredible thing that you're doing. Yeah, thanks. And and I think, um, you know, a few months back, we actually had a, a, a marketing consultant mm-hmm. working yep. with us. We were sort of following his lead and, you know, he was very high level, like he was, he knew his stuff and, but we felt like we were sort of starting to go down this path of running a big organization, yeah. this professional, and, and we're like, that's not, that's not us. We don't want to do that. That's not who we want to be. And it actually turned out that financially, we couldn't continue to keep paying for his okay. consulting. We, we had to go, well, to sustain this into next year and beyond, we actually need to spend the money on like on the yeah. software and those sorts of things. So that was the best yeah. thing we did because we actually had to then go, well, hang on, we've got to run the company. Yeah. From that, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's us. Hey, this is us. This is Taj and Lisa and we're nothing, you know, super special, but we're trying to help people and we hope yeah. it helps. You know, that's our bottom bottom line, yeah, really. Yeah, and that's amazing. And you're doing lots of things. I mean, you've, you're blogging as well. You're on social media sharing lots of things. You've obviously got the software coming out. So there's lots even just on your website. I mean, you you sent me, no, I signed up for, I'll, I'll reframe that, I signed up for yes. your yes. flipped <laughs> classroom yeah. advice and strategies. Yeah, yeah so would you like to talk yeah. to me a little bit more about that? I love flipping the classroom. It's like one of my favourite things that I ever yeah. learned. Yeah, I went to a e, an e-teaching thing back in 2012, yeah, nice. I feel. First time I ever heard Something. about it and I love it. So yep. tell me about that. It's great. Yeah, look, I'm a I'm a massive fan of flip learning, and despite what people sort of think about it, I've even flipped a year one classroom, and it's all doable. It's like it's crazy, it's crazy, but it's it's so much fun. But once again, like I mentioned before, it's actually about stepping back as a yeah. teacher and becoming a facilitator, and which means then they the students have to step into that void of you know independently mm-hmm. taking control of their own learning, and I think that's the best thing you can do for kids and. It's also a fantastic way to teach because I, I don't want to stand up the front and tell you everything I know. I'm here yeah. if you need some help. I can help you yes. find the things you need or give you the things you might need. But yeah. it's it's on you. It's on you, little year one student, and it's on you, year seven <laughs> student. Yeah, like you, um, big 
big fan. And it also, like, it, it actually forces teachers to think differently about mm-hmm. pedagogy, how they deliver learning, um, how they, you know, harness technology to do that as well, but also assessment. You know, you can't just assess them yeah. on a test. You have to use that multimodal assessment and submissions and all that sort of stuff as well, which is very much where Cecily kind of sort of meets, you know, where the rubber meets the road is that you can assess all types of learning. How important do you feel data is to teachers and students? And do you think all data is valuable or do you think we should filter data in terms of importance? I think data is really valuable, but I think it's also, it's a bit of a scary word for a lot of teachers because they don't know what it means or if they do, they think it's just report data. Mm -hmm. But for for me, data is just information. And, you know, I even like to work, like to use the word insights. Every bit of data you get on your student is an insight into what they know or don't know or how they're going or even the type of learner that they are. So if you're willing to to see the data for what it's worth and, and what it gives you rather than just being you know, data dumped and, and not knowing what to do with it all, then it can all be really powerful. But I wouldn't say it's it's equally as valuable, but it can all be used in some way. Yeah. yeah. How is the launch going to look? Are people able to get their hands on a Cicely and get trained in it? Well, to answer the second part of okay. that, did, there's actually no training required. Okay. It's really been designed so it, any teacher can pick it up and use it the next day. Okay. Obviously, onboarding schools will mm-hmm. be a, a different process. But for us, it's really just through our social media marketing channels and our, our subscribers who have subscribed to our websites and things like that, you know, just saying, hey, it's ready to go. There's a free trial. Continuing to, to try and use those channels, I guess. Yeah, I don't At least do you want to add anything more to that? We have been trying to just build our um, email list so that we can, you know, as soon as it is ready, just let everyone know straight away. But like Taj said, there is also a free trial. So you actually, when you sign up, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial so you can actually trial the product first and see how amazing it is before you actually commit to any sort of payment of any sorts so that's pretty cool too but yeah I guess we're just trying to like social media is playing a big part I guess to just try and get brand awareness really to start with it is hard because we've only really just because we haven't had a product like Taj said before we haven't had a product so like you know building brand awareness around a product that's not really available yet is has it some it can be tricky but yeah keep going and (laughs) keep putting it out there and yeah and I'll link all of your information, socials and websites and everything in the show notes here as well. So too, there's it's, a little um, bit of a... It's, it's a yeah, of course. It's a kind of a funny time to launch, I think, too. It's just the way things have fallen. But I mm. think with um, the learning from home and the COVID stuff too, that's it's going to be interesting to see whether teachers are in the, kind of the headspace to do, to do a new thing or whether they're just trying to get through to the end. And that's, yeah. all, that's all completely understandable. But there's teachers out there that have, have said, yeah, we, we want to use it. We want to have a go at it. So we're just going to get out to them. And, and if they if they like it, you know, get them to, to tell others about it and just build it from there. You know, we're not expecting to, you know, a massive following in the first months. It's, it's slowly, slowly. But, yeah, really exciting. Yeah. The other thing is, again, with, with, with social media is maybe just um, reaching out to like other teachers. with They don't have to have a massive following, but just a following and, of our ideal audience, which is teachers, mm. <laughs> and just maybe like gifting the product and seeing, you know, what people think and getting them to share and things like that. I guess that's all strategy within our for our launch, isn't it? We, we're confident we have something that can change the way teachers assess. Yeah. That's good enough for us, I think, that it can make a difference to people. What I think is really important for people to come back to too is the fact that you are educators in the classroom yep. doing this day in, day out knowing how it works, knowing what the pitfalls are in in assessment because so much assessment 
software reporting software, data collecting software is created by a big business, mm. by big software companies that go, oh, this sounds like a good idea or maybe we could do this without that real understanding of the classroom and being yeah. on the ground floor, figuring it out as a teacher. So I think that's really powerful. Yeah, and that's that's something we've spoke about. I, I want to try and stay teaching for as long as I can, you know, while we do this yeah. on the side and very much why Lisa's yeah. going to take on a lot of the a lot of the, the background stuff, the social media marketing stuff because, yeah, I, I want to use my own software in the classroom and if it doesn't work for me, then yeah. it's not working. So we've got to do something about that. Yeah. What are some of the big lessons in life that have really shaped you or made you learn more? This journey in the past year has been a pretty massive learning curve, yeah. I'd say. But another thing would probably just have to be just some of the hard times in my life. It's just been around the support and about the, the, the value in relationships, in friendships, in family. That's really important. The value in just having good people around you, you know, and just even just starting this really? company, you know, we've got like Taja's sister is a teacher and she's just yeah. been so supportive. She created her own Instagram account so that she could like support and share our company, like, and just share it with her teacher friends. And can I be honest? I'm sure it was through her stories that I heard of oh, you. Oh, there you go. To be honest. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. <laughs> so, I mean, she's she's loving Instagram right. now anyway for, you know, for her own journey. But, like, she originally joined to support us. So that means a lot to us to have people like that in our corner. And, you know, that helps yeah. when you're trying to start a new venture. <laughs> yeah, of course. They're so important. Yeah. Over to you, Taj. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, look, I couldn't agree more with um, Lisa on that. You know, relationships are the most important thing. You know, without them, nothing else matters. But my biggest lesson I've learned, and I learn a lot, is that nothing's ever really wasted. No opportunity's ever really wasted. Yeah, okay. You know, when you're kind of in, in right in the, in the crap or things are mundane or you're, you know, they actually turn out to be surprisingly useful somewhere, okay. somehow. So whether, you know, that's waiting for your child to, to get their own pajamas on and it takes five minutes, even though you want it done in five seconds, you're developing yeah. your patience. People who are different that come and come up against you and you don't quite understand their perspective, but it forces you to understand their perspective. So every opportunity is an opportunity, yeah. I think. That I like that. And I like the opinion one, actually, you know. because even if you never get to understand their perspective, it actually allows you an opportunity to really understand why you think what you think too. Yep, that's that's exactly right. Challenge you to go, no, well, I do believe what I believe. It cements that, you yeah. know, it gives you that resolve. So nothing, nothing's ever wasted. I actually love that. <laughs> I love both of those. What are your hopes for education in the future from a teaching perspective as well as from a parent's perspective? Well, as a teacher, it kind of goes without saying more time for teachers, but I mean that in a broader sense than just they're busy. I mean, like, I don't think teachers have enough time to reflect on what they're doing and to, to be better at what they're doing or to relearn or upskill in an area that they're really passionate about. I think at Hewlett Packard, the computer company, have this really cool concept called 20% okay. time. And a lot of their employees get 20% of their fortnight to work on something that they're passionate about that will help the company, but is not directly related yeah. to their job. So they get to step aside, they get, still get paid, and they basically get to do like mm, a passion project. Amazing. And it actually feeds back into the company that these people are better, more rounded. They've gone and helped the community. They've gone to visit another department in the company that they've never visited before. They've built relationships they haven't had the opportunity to do. And I think that teachers, we get in, we hit our classrooms, and yeah. it's fight or flight. 
There's no breathing space to go, you know, can I flip my classroom? I need a few hours to really to do that well, but I don't have mm. it, so I'm not going to. Yeah, so that's probably one thing for me. And I think entrepreneurial skills need to be taught a bit better in schools and not in the sense of, hey, start a business and become yeah. a multimillionaire, but, you know, what are the problems in the world and, and how can you go out and solve them? How can you be a, a part of that change for the better? We just learn, particularly just learn academic subjects and hope that that will mm. give us a career that's, that's not important. Well, the world's <laughs> changing so rapidly. You know? I'm sure that when yeah. you're at high school, the idea of getting online, creating content via a social media platform for a business and a software that you'd created would not have even come into your mind. Yeah, no. <laughs> not much came into my mind because I was probably in English or math. <laughs> but no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, and we, we can't even pretend to predict what the world in, in 20 years' time mm-hmm. is going to be like. But we do have to teach students to think for mm-hmm. themselves. That's guaranteed, you know. I saw this quote the other day about the student that's positive and happy is going to be more successful than the smartest kid yeah. in the room. That's what we've got to do, like Lisa said, support students, encourage them, back them and yeah. get out of the way. And what about you, Lisa, from a parent's perspective or a mother's perspective? The same is exactly what Taj just said then, supporting kids in every area that, we, that you can really. So even that in a way is an evolution because, you know, even if I reflect on my own time in the classroom as a student and, you know, my parents' time in the classroom, it was so much more about discipline and listening and respect because you had to respect So even that want is still evolving, I think, that genuine care and that compassion from teachers and the willingness to support them emotionally and mentally, we're better, but I think there's still learning to be done there. Yeah, and friends of ours, good friends of ours, their little boy got diagnosed with autism and they tried to Mm -hmm. pop him into a... um, a private school and the teacher there I think struggled she, I don't think she had enough strategies or understanding maybe yeah to and not mm. that she wasn't a good teacher I think she just mm. didn't have enough experience either with those needs those special needs and so you know you can't yeah. expect everybody to have that straight up though you know we all got to learn as, as you as, as you go and develop those skills and our friends as the parents of that little boy you know they just wanted the best for him and eventually they they were able to you know get him somewhere that's been good for him so that's really good yeah I taught a boy on the ASD spectrum once and he was beautiful like I had such a lovely relationship with him he was super focused on science and I taught him in science I was very lucky but he once said to me that I know that I have this I have this label but I don't know what that means because I can't see the world any other way than the way that I see it. And it just made me stop and really reflect on what we're doing as teachers because it just, yeah, it just gave me such perspective in terms of understanding that I had to support him in his ability to see the world rather than the way that I think it should be or somebody else thinks it should be. Yeah, and you have to learn that on the go. I didn't necessarily have all of that at my fingertips. I had to learn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about Assessly or the product, the launch, anything else? You have you have the floor. Firstly, Laura, thanks so much for all your support. <laughs> oh, um, it's really cool to have some um, some some fans out there yeah. for a product that's not even ready there yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, our goal is really just to help as many teachers as we yeah. can. That that's our first goal. So if, you, if you're keen to jump on our website, assessly.com.au, sign up to our sign up form there, so you can be part of our subscriber emailing list, and that way you'll get all the updates as we count down to our launch date. Mm-hmm. And as Lisa mentioned before, free 30 day trial. So you can get in, you can use it. You don't have to pay to begin with and just see if it's something you like and, and give us feedback. If it's if it needs tweaking or you love it, let us know. 
because we're here to, to make that difference for and, you. So. And follow us on Instagram. And when you do start using it oh. and loving it, then make sure you tag us and share it with all your friends <laughs> or your teacher friends. <laughs> and what's the date for the launch? 5th of October at this stage, which is just before the start of Term 4. But yep. uh, software being the, the beast that it is, it's, it's hard to predict. But okay. as, as close to that as we can, we want t- teachers to be able to use it for the start of term four. So that's our goal. It's so exciting to <laughs> see teachers out there spreading their wings and using that know-how to support other teachers. That's the best, the best thing. Yeah, thank, thanks so much for your time. Thank, yeah, great. thank you so much for having us on your podcast. <laughs>